Welcome to the Globig Podcast, where we talk to international expansion experts from around the world to make it faster and easier for you to take your business global. Hello, I'm Anka Corbin, your host on today's Globig Podcast. So the hot HR and international business topic today is how human resources can help create an effective and happy global virtual workforce. And our guest expert is Mary Lemons, the Vice President of Human Resource Solution at Global Upside. And Global Upside is a leader in helping companies transform their finance, accounting, and human resource function in over 100 countries. And welcome, Mary. It's a pleasure to have you again on our, as our guest. We haven't spoken in a yeah. while, so this is exciting. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. So we know that it's been predicted that by 2020, about 50%, and I can't even believe these numbers, 50% of workers are going to be working remotely, especially globally. And that brings a pretty big set of challenges to companies. And I wanted to see if we could talk about what those challenges are and, and just really help companies and especially the HR teams you know, thrive in this crazy new world. Sounds good. Yeah. Working remotely is a dream for many. And I think today they say 43% of Americans say that they spend some time working remotely. So it's definitely a trend um, of where the workforce is going. So what do you think is driving that trend for a virtual workforce? I imagine there's probably some really big things that are kind of changing in our world. Well, definitely, and especially if you're in the Bay Area, as mm -hmm. I am, office space is really expensive. Um, so the ability to reduce your footprint and your office furniture, um, you know, is one trend um, towards uh, employees um, and companies wanting to go for more of a remote where they handle your workspace as more like a hotel where, you know, you can uh, book a room for yourself when you need to come in. Actually, I was at a client company in Austin, Texas, and that's exactly, there's, there's a lot of space in Austin, Texas, especially around Round Rock, um, but employees uh, for this particular client book their office space when they're going to come into the office. Um, I think also is the talent um, for companies is going more global. Whereas, you know, the question is always, where is the talent? How can you find the talent? And you're looking beyond your own, um, you know, San Jose, California. You might be looking in India. You may be looking um, in other parts of the United States or in any other country as well. Um, so those are two of the, the trends that I see. But I think the other is the preference, um, especially with the millennial workforce and Gen Z. Um, the desire to integrate your work life with your personal life, you know, there is actually some research that um, sick days are reduced and vacation days when people can go take their kid to school or um, have the time to go fulfill a personal need um, during the workday versus having to take the half the day off. Oh, no, I was going to say we have a, yes, we have that too, a distributed and virtual global workforce and it has been amazing so i i totally appreciate that i i'm sorry go mm -hmm. ahead and 
Yeah, just saying, you know, commuting, I, mm-hmm. um, I work very close. I live and work very close to my office, and I don't realize how bad the commuting has gotten as well. But just the need to reduce the stress, time, and money, um, if anything, it's the time that you spend commuting is, um, is another big driver. But another is that um, productivity research has shown that to a certain extent, um, you can be more productive when you don't have the, um, the interruptions dur- during your day as well. Um, so depending on the job, um, that is a, also another key driver. But, you know, with this said, I think what's interesting is that a couple of high-profile companies like Aetna, Yahoo, and Best Buy pulled back on their remote workforce. And the other one is IBM, which in 2009, they reduced their, um, their uh, office space by 40%. They, they brought back $2 billion from selling off office space. And then in 2017, um, they pulled back on their remote policy and decided that there are some jobs that you need to have the face-to-face communication and connection with. So I think some of this is also the trend is going to be based on um, the job as well, whether you do individual work versus teamwork, if you do innovation um, as well. So I think those are all drivers um, that's going to add up. And then the obvious one is the cloud applications and mobile applications allowing us to do this kind of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So now we have the technology and tools so it's it's actually not it's a it's a trend but it's also i would imagine as we learn more companies are finding the things that work and the things that don't work right so exactly we should see these hybrid models versus just assuming that it's all one or the other right absolutely Mm -hmm. what are you seeing as far as like some of the different types of remote and virtual workforces um, I know we just talked about there being different types. So which which types of workers, if you will, or employees lend themselves really well to being virtual? Yeah, so there's, you know, you have companies have, um, one is contractors or freelance people, often that they're remote. Freelancers just come in and do a job and they're out of there and they usually don't, they're, they're not an employee and they don't necessarily want to have that kind of connection with you. Um, contractors may or may not be that way, depending on the, the length of their contract and what their um, kind of the quality of the engagement is. But the employees to focus on, your employees that, one, you could have dispersed teams. I worked for a company where we had a development team in Canada, San Jose, and France. And so those are Um, Maybe they're more of a partial team where you have um, people working remotely. They may be on-site or off-site, but they work remotely with other team members at other locations. Um, So you have your international employees um, that work in different time zones, um, connecting with employees in other locations as well. And then you have your full remote workers, people that are never going to come into the office. The the position, the job is focused. to be a remote employee and to work from home or wherever you want to. And it's interesting. There's a whole, um, you know, staffing websites where you can find remote work if that's what you're looking for. And some jobs are just more suited to that kind of work. And there's companies that, um, some interesting companies that 
you know, founded based on the belief that they wanted to have a completely dispersed and remote workforce. Right. I can imagine, especially developers and, and people that really like, you know, focus and they, they don't need to be in any sort of geography. And like you had mentioned earlier, they're really that skill level and the talent is hard to find. So you have to be somewhat more flexible and be willing to look, you know, kind of across borders. What about, so from an HR perspective, what are some of the unique compliance issues? Are there some challenges with these types of workers in different countries? I would imagine sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not. And then also the ability to move around as a virtual, as a virtual employee, I would imagine that's not that easy for, you know, HR to wrangle and be compliant around. Yeah, I think it's an interesting area where we have the, um, almost the migrant worker and you know some of the issues that we see with the work we do at Global Upside is that you can have this idea of going to hire this talent in another country but you know you just don't PayPal them their their wages is their actual tax and compliance issues as far as even if you're hiring as independent contractors versus employees um, this is when you need to bring in the HR, the legal, or firm like Global Upside, where we work on international expansion. You need to be aware of whether or not you're creating a permanent, um, permanent establishment and country and you're compliant. So those are definitely concerns that you need to be aware of when building a remote um, workforce. Right. And I think that, I think our listeners should realize that you know, as soon as you cross that border, you really do need some support. It's very complex and you most likely don't have the expertise in-house to really manage through that. It's going to cause just more challenges than you want to. Like it Absolutely. Just, it's just a can of worms, basically, if you don't I do it right. I say that the two, the two agencies that I don't want to get in any trouble with, no matter where I am in the world, is... What the IRS, the taxing authorities, and immigration, right? Um, because those have real consequences to um, um, legally penalties and even criminal. Um, so those are things that you really need to be aware of as a business owner. Well, and I would suggest that our listeners kind of listen to some of our earlier podcasts around the PEO or employer of record in different mm-hmm. countries, and because that's really a way for that global virtual workforce to be flexible and to be compliant without really triggering all of the, you know, the business entity requirements and things like that. But it's, it's certainly a topic for another podcast, but I just want to make sure that people know that it's, it's worth listening to. And it's something that, um, you know, just to kind of keep in mind around the compliance issues, because that's really the biggest challenge I think with this, all the other pieces seem to make a lot of sense. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's actually an area where we're seeing such an increase in our business and global upside is we provide that PEO, the professional employer organization model, which allows you to go into Argentina, Brazil, China without having to establish your own branch office or legal entity. And you can actually have an employee up and running almost immediately. And we handle all the statutory compliance, the hiring and we are technically the employer of record um, that you can staff your organization quickly that way. And then as you develop your 
footprint in that country, you can decide whether or not you want to move forward on establishing your own legal entity. So it's a great solution, um, and we see more of our business going that direction as companies figure out, you know, how they're going to expand internationally. Absolutely. So when when we're talking about this, you know, global virtual workforce, so not only are there trends towards that, and there's some real company wide benefits, but I would say that that probably all are also requires new skills, right, for the workers to mm-hmm. really be good at these jobs. And what are some of the things that you've found, you know, what are some of the skills, one, that can be trained or even just some skills or um, personality um, requirements, if you will, for these workers to be really great at these roles? Well, so one, and this is really basic, um, but, you know, just focus on the communication skills. So because a lot of the communication may be um, in text or emails, voicemail, is that you've got to be really clear, concise, and correct um, about your communications. Be careful of how many acronyms you're using. Make sure people understand what you mean. Um, and really proofreading all the communication that goes out before hitting send. Um, but in addition to you know the good writing skills is you've got to have the good listening skills um, so that you have the clarity um, in communicating with your colleagues about uh, what the intent is or what what is the requirement. I mean the biggest thing that we lack with the um, without having the face to face communication is the body language. And the body language really tells us, you know, that's where we, um, where we pick up so much of the, um, the additional communications about how we're being received. Um, you know, the face-to-face communication is just information rich. And you get that nonverbal feedback, you know, that instantaneous response from others to let us know how well our ideas and our, you know, we're being accepted. Um, so without that, you know, and all the writing is an email. And I know myself, I've experienced this where we say in email what we would never say to somebody's face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so having standards on how you um, communicate, kind of cre- a safe communication environment, how to handle uh, feedback or criticism um, about something or deal with a confrontation in having a healthy debate it's really important around the communication piece, how you're communicating with the team and being aware that you don't have this face-to-face connection um, where people can really see how they're being received. Um, I think it makes a big difference. I've had teams work for me all over the world. And even though I don't have the need to see them um, on a regular basis, going out and meeting them face-to-face changes the communication going forward in that relationship. it's just having that, you know, that that meeting with them where you're you're have the opportunity to get to know them on a personal level um, as well just makes a big difference. Right, because then you automatically have a sense that oh, they're probably smiling now. Do you find that? Yeah. So video um, can that bridge a gap? Can technology help with that, or do you find that it's still it's not enough? Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people use the conference calls, but I think mixing it up and having the video um, conferencing is really helpful because you get a you do get that face to face piece, and people um, can respond and react a little bit differently. 
Um, you know, and on that, further to that is some of the other skills. One would be being tech savvy is that if you're going to be a remote worker, you be, you need to have an ability to handle your software and hardware requirements um, and be able to navigate new technology mm. um, is, an, is another skill as well. Right. That makes sense because you have to be connecting on your side and you can't be a bottleneck because there just isn't going to be someone there that can bring everything in and you don't have IT in your home. Right. right. And, right. and further to that, you know, on the, um, the IT or the platforms is that you need to have um, companies or IT departments will probably want to have um, some agreement on what the tools are that they're bringing into the workforce so that they have some um, controls over what collaboration tools are, are used as well. Um, but being tech savvy and then also companies should think about what are the platforms that we're going to use to communicate mm -hmm. um, that whether you have text, emails, conference call, um, also you need to be aware of, um, you know, bombarding employees digitally with too much information. It's kind of like walking in into somebody's office three times to give them the same message. And so teams kind of have to have agreed upon norms on response times and, and how they're going to communicate with each other. Um, so those are other things to keep in mind is to have clarity and consistency on how the team's going to communicate, whether it's with WhatsApp or email, how long does it take to an employee to respond to a coworker? Those kind of things are important norms. Right. That makes sense. It's funny that I actually had that experience just this morning. So we have remote teams and, and I noticed that everyone was on Slack and communicating and yeah. it was, you know, really like ping after ping after ping. And I was in the middle of a project and trying to prepare one for this podcast as well as just in general. And I kept thinking, how do I just stop this? And what is their expectation yeah. around when I respond back to them? Right. Is it a, well, mm -hmm. I just pinged you, so I expect that to be an immediate ping back, or is it okay? And maybe that's culturally, like, it's okay at noon to respond versus uh, right away. Or So that is really interesting versus them thinking, well, I'm just ignoring them, or, you know, what are those kind of norms, as you, as you said? And we haven't set enough of those because I wasn't clear, which means that they probably aren't either. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's really interesting. But it was just funny how we had that this morning. And it was what I was wondering was, what is the expectation? Right? Yes. Can I just stop? Can I turn it off? Can I, you know, or is that a sense of, will it get a sense of rudeness or a sense of not being available? Or, you know, what are those things? So Yeah, I think also, it's just that the way technology is where it's instantaneous gratification or response time, I find when I'm working on a project, and I don't respond to, I mean, I have so many emails coming in on an hourly basis like everybody else's, but what that expectation is, if I don't respond to you in, you know, a four hour time period, there's probably a reason why I did not if I'm, you know, involved in the topic. But I'm also conscious of making sure that I'm kind of monitoring the traffic without getting absorbed in all the details so that I can come back later and respond to things and there's aren't any, there are not any crises or urgent issues going on. Right. That makes sense. Now, you know, I think one of the drawbacks of being virtual, and I know it's something that companies try to bridge and figure out what to do with, is, is that 
how do you really feel part of the company and how do you get a sense of the culture and how do you, you know, really become part of that team, not just as a, hey, you need to do this or, you know, like a producer, if you will, but really mm-hmm. a deeper part of that. Any thoughts around what are some ways that companies can, one, be more aware of that, sensitive to it, and maybe bridge that gap? Well, culture is definitely important. It matters. And we see that by all of the, there's so many, whether they're pulse surveys, employee engagement, which kind of the new term is, is what is that culture? And I think if you have a virtual or remote workforce, it does require a certain culture. And you need to step back and evaluate the strength of your organization's values, principle, and culture. And do we have the kind of culture um, that would work for a remote or virtual type of company? Um, Because it is harder for remote workers to connect to the culture and feel engaged if you're not really working on building that culture. And building that culture is more than just selecting specific online tools, you know, like WhatsApp and Slack and all that. It goes much deeper. And I think the companies that are the most successful is where they have a company vision that aligns with the employee visions. Um, And I mean, that's for even non-remote companies as well. And then um, establishing uh, ways, maybe a more structured on how you're going to build in-person relationships. So you definitely need to plan for whether it's meeting regularly and also having some in-person relationship building opportunities. Maybe it's once a year, twice a year, once a quarter to make those human connections. Um, And then the other is recognition. You know, whether you do an employee of the month and it goes out, you know, Online or through at Global Upside, we have um, breakfast briefings where people in certain offices will all call in or remote employees, and that's where we get updates on what's happening in the company. Um, But, you know, anything that allows people to kind of see more than just the black and white print on your email, whether some companies use emojis where employees can let you see how they're feeling about a different topic or Mm -hmm. team chats and team chats or shout outs about, you know, people doing a great job, but definitely making that human connection um, that you might have in person that you wouldn't necessarily have um, in a written way. Right. Absolutely. One of the things I noticed that during the world cup soccer that we found this kind of common joy and, you know, the activities and the, the play and, and there was this, common language through some of our, you know, with our international teams. And, and there was this camaraderie then kind of this competition and this playfulness that was around it. And I recognized how much of, you know, that was actually really, really healthy and fun and, you know, how to probably really great to consider doing more of that, you know, throughout the year versus just every four years when the World Cup comes. Yeah, (laughs) that's a great example where it really globally, connects people. So I'm not so much of a sports watcher, but my husband was really into watching the World Cup. 
And so I would leave my home and go into our office and we would have people in the conference room watching the same World Cup. Right. Um, and so I felt more connected because I got the play-by-play at home. And even though I'm not a you know World Cup person, I felt connected to, you know, which country was winning or who was, you know, cheering for who. So I think that's a great example of getting people connected on a personal level. Mm -hmm. It just warmed things up and you could just tell that everyone really enjoyed the little ribbing or the, you know, the competition and then even some of the commentary as to, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened sort of things and Mm -hmm. little gifts and videos that would come across from whatever happened that day. So it was a really great, I think, example of things that we need to be more intentional about, right? It doesn't happen all that often, right? So are there other fun things that we can do to kind of build that really cross those cultural borders as well? Yeah, we we have a Halloween and, uh, you know, dress up, and we also do one for an ugly sweater thing. It's it's a requirement. (laughs) (laughs) You you have your ugly sweater, which is like the norm these days. Um, And we take pictures of the team. We usually have a voting, whoever's, you know, got the best. Um, and we send that off to our other teams. We share that on our Facebook page, our Global Upside Facebook page, and we share it with the team. Um, uh, so that's that's a really it kind of helps you get to know your team members in a wacky, you know, fun way instead mm-hmm. of just all business as well. Absolutely. So there's you know when when we think about this global virtual workforce and and you know how do we make them effective and happy? There's also there's lots and lots of pros, and I'm a big fan of the concept but then there's certainly these things that you can consider cons but you you probably can figure out how not to make them cons as well are there any thoughts Mm -hmm. um anything else that i didn't ask you about that you want to make sure that you share with our listeners around this topic yeah i think it's um we have a remote workforce at global upside as well and we are learning just like everybody else. There's some great blogs out there about um, how to be effective remote uh, workforce and paying attention to what other companies are doing. There's lots of great ideas out there. Sometimes you can take those and, um, you know, tweak them for your own environment. But I just say, you know, just awareness and paying attention to it. It's definitely um, the direction that we're going to be going. And when you look at some of the cost savings to companies, and the bottom line, um, I think we'll just see the trends more so uh, of how we work together remotely and effectively. And I think it's I think it's going to be an exciting um, time. I started my career when you know you got into the office eight and you didn't dare leave by six and you were really tied to it. And I can say for myself, I really appreciate having the flexibility of having my job integrated with my life. It just makes everything richer. Um, so I look forward to seeing some of the changes that will happen to the workforce. Me too. I'm really excited about it as well. So Mary, I want to thank you so much for joining us again. And as always, it's such a pleasure to have you as our guest. And I want to make sure our listeners know that they can go to glowbig.co. The website is your one-stop international expansion marketplace with abundance of free resources, especially around GDPR and training and and really sharing companies like Global Upside in there. So don't forget to subscribe to this podcast channel as well for more fantastic international expansion podcasts. Thank you.